0: So this is something that they have done as a considered choice. They thought about it carefully and this was something that they regarded as necessary to keep you away from the environment of the public schools. Now The reason for this generally would be that the environment in the public schools is very negative. It is something that harms one's Iman, harms one's Akhlaq, one's Haya, modesty, shame, it harms one in every way. And therefore, they want you to be in a dini environment, so that your Iman is protected, your A'mal are protected, your Haya is protected, and you are protected in every way and become a Muslimah who is truly obedient to Allah Ta'ala and becomes an asset to herself, an asset to her family, an asset to whoever she has to be in contact with later in life, her husband and her children someday, and that she makes her dunya and most importantly makes her akhirat, that she gets the direct entry to Jannah inshallah. May Allah Ta'ala bless one and all and grant us the tawfiq that we become the true servants of Allah Ta'ala, become His obedient slaves and we conduct ourselves in such a way that Allah Ta'ala is pleased with us here, now, in dunya and we gain His everlasting pleasure, pleasure in the akhirat, in entry into Jannad and forever being in the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. So this is the purpose that we have come to Madrasa for. Now, there might be those who their parents made this choice for them, some made the choice on their own maybe, but whether we were sent, whether we came, we are now already here. We are in the Madrasa, we have been enrolled, we are now regarded as students of this institution. So whatever our personal motive might have been, if it was something apart from what was mentioned, that this is the motive of the Madrasa itself. This is the motive, this is the purpose, this is the object of those who establish the Madrasa, those who are currently involved in the Madrasa, whether it is those who are involved on an administration level, or those who are as the trustees of the Madrasa, or teaching in the madrasa, everybody's objective is this. So you as a student should also have, and if it's not, make this your objective as well. This is what we have come for. We have come to primarily become the true and obedient servants of Allah. And this is going to guarantee us the good of dunya, and the best of akhirat as well. Now there are many things which impact on how we will succeed in this objective whether we will gain what we have come for, or whether we will go empty handed in terms of the objective, or whether we will just take a little bit and go that all there are several things that determine that, that impact on that. several things that have a very direct effect on that outcome. So we need to now be considering very carefully that where are we heading to? Are we going to be achieving our objective or are we going to be leaving empty-handed? Among the many things that impact on that, one of the very crucial things is the aspect of the company, even in the madrasa. Outside the madrasa, obviously, and even in the madrasa. The kind of company that we keep, that is going to determine what we achieve. This is something that cannot be overemphasized. We have spoken on this topic many times, and this is a revision of those lessons that we have discussed previously. It's a revision that will continue inshallah and something that we need to keep reminding ourselves about also. The company that we will keep will make us or break us. Let us put this on our inscribe it on our hearts that Nabi wasallam has said Al mar'u ala deenih. What it was It was a drug. And he got it for free. So now he got it for free. So he said, let's try it. So he tried it. when he tried it, that was for free. But his life wasn't for free. His health wasn't for free. His Iman wasn't for free. His Akhlaq wasn't for free. His peaceful life wasn't for free. His happy relationship with his parents wasn't for free. All these things, there were a lot of efforts made behind it, a lot of sacrifices made behind it. That wasn't for free. This drug came for free. Now he took this free drug and then suddenly now he was in another world and when he came out of that, he was in such a depressive state that he needed this immediately to get back to it. So what he did? he drove back down to the same place. When he drove back to the same place, the same person was hanging around there in that corner. So, he came back. He said, I want more. So, okay, you want more? Well, now this is so much. So, now he had to pay. So, he got it free first time. Now he is paying. But in that first time he got free, what happened now? He became an addict. And what was paid for? That good happy life that he was living with his parents, that good happy life that he was conducting himself with, with responsibility, and he was content, he was a good person, he was a person who valued his Iman, he valued his Salah, he valued the people around him, he was concerned about others around him, he was caring. If somebody else had some difficulty... It would affect him. So all these things were taking place. He was an asset. He was a true blessing for himself, for others. Unfortunately, this came for free. He thought it came for free, so anything for free must take it. So he took it. Now what happened? Now he is only concerned about his own thrill that he gets out of, so-called thrill, for that few moments out of that drug and thereafter he falls so hard that it totally crashes everything but now in the process what happened he is now totally an alien in his own home he wants to have nothing to do with his parents he's become a misery for himself and a total misery for them his now marriage is on the rocks his wife is now suffering terribly His children are ashamed and embarrassed. And they are suffering. He lost his job. And what not happened? And the worst thing was that his Iman was on the brink now. Now where all this started from? He thought that it's for free. So Shaitan gives something first for free. But it's not for free. There's nothing for free. As they say, sometimes some people say talk is cheap. Other people say, no, talk is not cheap. Talk is for free. How much you have to pay if you have to say something? Talk is free. So talk may be free to speak. But if you don't speak the right thing, you're going to pay for it. If a person doesn't speak what is right, you going to pay for it. you going to pay for it in dunya. you going to pay for it in akhirat also. Talk is not cheap. And definitely not free. Yes, if you talk what is right, that too is not free. You are going to get paid for it. You are going to get paid for it in dunya also with the good that will come. And definitely in the akhirat. So talk might sound free, but it's not free. It's either you are going to get paid for it or you are going to pay for it. So likewise, when we talk about free life, people living a free life. Free life here means a life like animals. Animals are free. What restrictions are there on an animal? An animal wants to do something, anybody can stop it or anybody can say that you're not allowed to do this. Anybody can go and read out some rules to the animal. That these are things that are impermissible. This is haram. Animal doesn't have any haram and halal. Animal lives a free life. And that is why Allah Ta'ala speaks about those who live like animals. in illa kal an'am bal adal. That those who don't keep to the restrictions, to the limits that Allah Ta'ala has placed. And they just want to live a so-called free life. They want to be their own boss. Nobody must tell them what to do. Nobody must tell them how to dress. Nobody must tell them where to go. Nobody must tell them about Haya. Nobody must tell them, look, all these fairs and all these places where all this intermingling is taking place, all this music is being heard, and all this other haram that is taking place there. This is a terrible place to be. Don't ever go near it. They don't want to be, nobody, they don't want to have that kind of limits. Why must I be told where to go, or where not to go, or how to dress, or how not to dress, or what to eat, what not to eat? Why must I be told all these things? Everybody else is dressing in jeans and tops, why must I be stopped? I must be a free person. So, where does this freedom lead to? It leads to animalism. It leads to becoming like an animal. The animal is free, it roams around anywhere. It goes anywhere. The animals in the jungle, there is no restriction on them. So, we are not animals. Allah Ta'ala has made us insan. And then on top of that, we have been made Musalman. We have been made Muslims. So, a Muslim, a Muslim is very concerned that Allah Ta'ala must not become displeased. So, a Muslim is all the time concerned that Allah Ta'ala must be happy with him. And therefore, the Muslim does not live a so-called free life. This being within the restrictions of deen, this is called bandagi in Urdu. In Urdu it is called bandagi. Worship, servitude, being the slave of Allah Ta'ala. Being in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala, bandagi. So in Urdu this is very nicely said, that zindagi, bebandagi, darindagi. Zindagi means life. And bebandagi without the servitude, without being a slave of Allah Ta'ala, without living within the limits, without being obedient to Allah Ta'ala's commands, without staying within the restrictions of deen, then this life, without these restrictions and without the slavery of Allah Ta'ala, darindagi, this becomes like an animal, a person living his life like an animal. And zindagi, bebandagi, sharmindagi, The life without these limits, person who wants to stay a so-called free life, then this leads to sharmindagi. This becomes a source of great shame. For how long? And suddenly then everything explodes and now a person is totally bewildered. Person has no place to hide. So that now becomes a source of great shame. So that is the reason why Allah Ta'ala has, out of mercy for us, and to protect our izzat, protect our honor, keep us with happiness, keep us with that in that kind of life that is a means of good for us, and means of good for others. Allah Ta'ala has placed these restrictions for us to protect us. Like a child, a baby, the child wants to play and run around, so the parents put the child in a play cot, or a play pen, whatever they call it. Uh, the child is restricted. He can't crawl out of that. He's busy crawling now. He can crawl, or he can even start walking a little. But you play here in this play, in the, within this restriction. Why? Because otherwise, you're going to go and you're going to trip over something. You are going to go and grab something and put it in your mouth, which is very harmful for you. You will put some dirt and filth inside your mouth. You will pick up some, maybe even, totally harmful and filthy things. Maybe the cat drops something. And the droppings of that cat, you'll go and put it in your mouth. And what else might be things that you might go and eat up. And then there might be some sharp object that fell from somewhere. You'll go and cut yourself with it. You will cause damage and harm to yourself. So because we want to save you, we want to protect you, so therefore you play in this playpen. You don't go out of this. Or you stay in this restricted area. You don't go outdoors. So all these restrictions are for protection. These restrictions... Are for protection. And these are the protections that Allah Ta'ala wants to give us as well in the restrictions of deen. That our dunya also and our akhirat also remain safe. So what we were saying is that life without these restrictions, life without these limits, this becomes a source of great embarrassment, great shame. Allah Ta'ala has also placed these limits upon us. For our protection. These limits are, these restrictions are for protection. These restrictions are for our protection. It is not for destruction. It is not to keep somebody away from fun. But now, a person wants to live a so-called free life. And this free life, I must go where I want. Do what I want. What is all this haya? And I must not dress in jeans and I must not have this tight-fitting clothing and whatever else. So now this is something that is going to lead to a totally different direction. Now we have come to Madrasa and our primary concern in Madrasa is, and the object of coming to Madrasa is, that we become the true servants of Allah Ta'ala. And we are not in any way those who become caught up in the traps of nafs and shaitan But we remain steadfast on the path of deen. As we started off, our discussion started off on the point of company. That what is going to impact on this, what is going to have a very direct effect on this, is the company we keep. If the company we keep is the company that wants to be so-called free. Free to do what they want. Just out of sort of compulsion, they will try to now just appear to be keeping within the limits, out of just compulsion. But behind the scenes, secretly, they want to do what they want to do. If it means chatting to somebody, haram, chatting, then they must carry on. If they want to have a secret phone somewhere, then that's up to them. Why must somebody else bother about it? Now, this is the kind of company some people choose and when a person chooses that kind of company, somebody is talking about the haram they are doing. I did this and I went there and I spoke to so and so and I am speaking to so and so and chatting with so and so. Now there will be people who will number one do the haram and then on top of that they will expose the haram that they are doing to others. So shaitan makes the person feel now that don't worry you talk about it, others will regard you as you know you are really somebody man what guts you got. You can have a hidden phone and you can talk to somebody and chat with someone. You are really smart. You are smarter than the smartphone. So, Shaitan will now whisper all these things. But, who is smarter? You are smarter or Shaitan? Shaitan is the smarter fellow in this whole thing because he is achieving his objective and you are falling in the trap. So who is smarter, the fisherman or the fish? The fish thought it was very smart. What a beautiful piece of bait here. This thing is something looks so delicious and so excellent this looks. So the fish thought it was very smart, I got something just tangled here for me. But the smarter person was the fisherman. But here in this case, Shaitan the fisherman, he is already doomed to destruction. So the fish that he's going to catch, they're also going to follow that same destruction. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. Now this is the crucial thing, the company. We need to be very careful about the company we keep. In madrasa also. Because everybody doesn't have the same mindset. Not that we should ever look down upon anybody. Don't ever regard ourselves as better than anyone. These are two totally separate things. We can never ever think of ourselves as better because we don't know what is the end result. Somebody is running a race and now some person is at the front of the whole uh, track, everybody else is behind. Now the person who is right at the front is running the marathon, not that the marathon is any achievement, it's just futile, baseless. What does it serve? Just besides some one medal to boast about, what else? So in any case, we are just using the example. So now somebody is at the front of everyone. So now because he is running at the front, he is very thrilled. I am better than everybody. But now as the race went along, he got tired and he sat down somewhere. And now the whole field all overtook him. So because half of the race he was in front, will that make any difference at the finishing line? At the finishing line, they will say, look, this whole marathon was 70 kilometers. So out of the 70 kilometers, 50 kilometers, that person led the pack. He was right at the front. So therefore now, though he came out last now, he's right at the back, but we're going to give him the prize. Because for 50 kilometers out of 70, he was at the front. Will that make any difference? At the finishing line, they're not going to see whether this person ran 50 kilometers or 60 kilometers at the front. At the finishing line, he was at the back. So what difference it makes? It's not going to help him. So we don't know what is the position at the finishing line. Allah Ta'ala protect us. Allah Ta'ala save us. Allah Ta'ala protect our iman, our amal, and our honor, protect us in every way. But that's the only time that a person can rejoice when he has passed the finishing line. And the finishing line is death on iman and acceptance by Allah Ta'ala for direct entry into Jannah. So on that day, on the day of Tiyamat, a person got his book of deeds in his right hand. His scales of good deeds were weightier. And now he's been given the certificate to get to Jannah. Now he can say, I'm better than somebody who ended up in Jahannam. Allah Taala forbid. But till then, we can't think of ourselves as better than anyone. That is something that's very clear. But at the same time, we have to be very careful about who we accompany not because we are better than somebody, but that is something which we have taught, been taught in the Hadith by Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Even the ayat of the Quran Sharif give us the same guidance, that a person has to be very careful about who he befriends, or who she befriends. And our friends are going to direct us. So we choose the right company, somebody who has the right mindset, somebody who is very conscious, they are conscious about adab, They want to respect their teachers. They respect the Quran Sharif. They respect their Kitabs. And they have this true respect from their hearts. They truly are sincere in the way that they conduct themselves. With respect. Now there are five people that have this kind of qualities. And a sixth person joins them. Then that sixth person also will become like them. That sixth person also will start having adab. There are five people who dress very modestly. And a 6 person wasn't concerned about her dressing. And she joined this company. In a short time, she's going to start dressing how they dress. Because the company is going to have an effect on her. And she's going to start dressing modestly. She's going to make sure that not a single strand of hair is ever visible. She's not going to start having some high buns and having things displayed in a way that is not correct. She's not going to have things that are going to attract attention when she's going to walk out of necessity walk out of the house she's going to cover herself in a way that totally distracts attention not attracts attention but if she starts joining company where they want to all the time be displaying themselves in some way or the other that even if she is modest she has haya in her but she's going to also start doing the same if they are going to be talking about they went to this fair and that fair and this souk and that whatever place and all these things, then the next time she also going to go do the same thing. Whereas, she at this moment in time knows that that is not the place to be. Any function where there is haram taking place, there is intermingling taking place, etc. She knows that these are not places to be. But now every other day she's hearing this person went here, that person went there, that person attended this kind of function. That person went to this kind of fair. So she going to start doing the same. She will get caught up in that same trap of behayai. Immodesty. Shamelessness. Where all this will come from? It will come from the company. The company has a direct effect. There are air conditioners in the madrasa. So what does that air conditioner do? Air conditioner cools the place. So what is that? That is the company of that coolness. Now a person walks into that room, that environment is cool because of being in the company of that air conditioner. So he also feels cool. But if it is switched off, it's a hot place, so he goes into that hot environment, he starts feeling hot. So the company is the environment, and the person, the kind of company he keeps, so she keeps, that's going to affect the manner in which the company starts speaking. Somebody speaks good things. She's going to start speaking good things also. Somebody speaks filthy things, vulgar things. It's going to affect her. She'll listen quietly. She won't say anything one day, two days, five days. Then she'll start saying some things, few things. And then the few will become more few. And then it'll become much. And next her language will be like that also. People are, she's sitting in company, then everybody starts speaking like with a twang. Some people feel that it will make them a little bit more smarter. They speak with a twang. So they don't want to sound like you know, they are backward. Maybe if they imitate a twang of somebody who is foreign from Europe or something, then it will make them look like they are somebody better. So now there is a group of people talk with a twang. Now, they talk with a twang and this person joined the company. So in a short while, she'll also be squeaking and talking with a twang and looking and sounding funny. So she'll be thinking she's sounding very nice, but she'll be sounding very funny. And others will be laughing about it quietly, but now what do they do now? This person wants to sound different. Now where this, all this comes from? The company. Everybody is wearing something, walking around in high heels now. So now she wants to be high and mighty too. So now whether that causes harm to her or not, doesn't matter. She must be high and mighty. So she'll want to wear that too. Because everybody is doing it. So what everybody does, i go to do. So whether it harms me or not, that doesn't matter. Everybody is wearing some kind of clothes which are totally shameless. i go got to do it. Now, this is the effect of the environment, the effect of the company. And as much as we will say otherwise, if nobody does it, we won't do it. If everybody starts wearing something which is flat, then nobody will wear high heels. Nobody will dare do it. They'll say, no, this is a stupid thing to do now. How can I go do Everybody is wearing flat shoes and I will go wear high heels and say something wrong with you. But now everybody is doing it, so now I've got to do it. So these are just things that carry us away, just make us feel like we are somebody but whereas this may, in reality we are nobody with this. What makes us somebody is what is inside us. The true qualities in a person, the qualities of goodness, the qualities of ikram, the qualities of compassion, of kindness, of generosity, the, compa- the forgiveness of being ready to help others, of being somebody who is very respect, respectful in everything, has haya and modesty and shame, these are things that add value to the person. And such a person is appreciated. Such a person is liked by others. Such a person gets the blessings of Allah Ta'ala also. So this is what we have come to Madrasa for. And what is going to be very crucial in our time in Madrasa is the company we keep. We need to choose the right company. If somebody is talking about other things, somebody has the habit of talking about what they saw on, television and somebody is seeing some movie, something, Allah forbid, all these things are things we should throw out of our lives completely. Somebody is talking about where they went and what they did, which are wrong things. This kind of conversations they are happy about or they are talking about some wrong relationships they are in. Then we need to immediately separate ourselves from such kind of company and keep company which takes us towards righteousness. In this way we will find our stay in madrasa also will become very productive. We will enjoy what we are doing. We will benefit greatly and we will make the, the greatest benefit will be to ourselves in later life where inshallah will see the benefit of these lessons that we have learned and for the good that we did in, while in our study time. May Allah wa Ta'ala guide one and all to His pleasure. May Allah Ta'ala make us His true and obedient servants and save us from conducting ourselves in a way that us in dunya and hamza wa akhirat as well wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahirabbil alamin allahumma lakal hamdu kulluhu wa lakash shukru kulluhu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa wa وتجاوز عما تعلم، إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم، ربنا توفنا مسلمين، وألحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين، غير خزايا ولا ندام ولا مفتونين، اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان، وأمتنا على الإيمان، واحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان، اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة الا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين